Welcome to episode 67 of the DPR show. I'm your host, Peter Harling, and these episodes are coming out fast and furious right now. Uh, so I hope you're enjoying them. Uh, so today's episode is going to be mostly an interview. Uh, I've been doing a little bit of writing for uh, my NHL Trade Rumors website, and what I've been doing for them is some top 10 prospect rankings. So I've decided that this would be a great opportunity to get on a guest uh, long overdue for the podcast. He's been a big supporter of the show since it started, and that's Boston Bruins um, writer and podcaster for the Black and Gold, none other than Mr. Mark Alred. Excuse me. So Mark will be joining the podcast after this very short intro segment. Um, Something else that I'm uh, really looking forward to that I'll be probably talking about on the next podcast is a couple of NCAA games that are coming up tonight, which would actually be Halloween, and uh, tomorrow, a couple back-to-back games between... Wisconsin at Penn State and uh, the reason why I'm really excited about these two games and I was strongly considering making the long drive all the way to Penn State to watch is uh, these are all-star rosters so Penn State boasts a couple their two leading scorers are, are free agents so very fantasy relevant for the offseason um, I don't know how to pronounce his last name but Nate Susies has 11 points so far in five games Right behind him is his linemate, Brandon Bureau, so I'm very interested to watch these guys. Um, Penn State also has a number of other prominent players. They've got some NHL-drafted prospects like New Jersey Devils' Arnie Talvidi, who I just spoke about, uh, Nikita Pavlichev, who um, Julie Robinheimer was talking about when she was on this podcast a few episodes ago. Uh, he's Pittsburgh Penguins' property. Evan Barrett was the leading scorer for most of the season last year in MCAA, Chicago Blackhawks' prospect, so looking forward to watching him uh, play their goalie Peyton Jones is another free agent prospect. He's a senior as well, and Alex Limoges is uh, also, I believe, a free agent. Uh, he's a pretty high profile one. He was garnering some interest last year, but decided to uh, come back and fill out his entire college career. Uh, the visiting team boasts some pretty prominent players too, none other than Cole Caulfield, Montreal Canadiens' uh, prized prospect. He's got seven goals in six games for nine points as a freshman. That's a pretty good start to his NCAA career, I would say. His uh, USNDP program uh, teammate Alex Turcott is also on the team. Los Angeles Kings first-round pick has eight points. Um, Linus Weisbach, Keandre Miller, New York Rangers. Um, Sean Doogie, one of my favorite prospects, who's a free agent. I really, really, really rooting for this kid. Um, and then, of course, draft eligible, the only NCAA draft eligible first round potential prospect, Dylan Holloway. Uh, he's got three points in his first six games. I'll be looking, watching him real close too. So that'll be some interesting games. It's broadcast on the Big Ten Network. So if your cable provider offers that service, look it up. Um, moving on. So we're going to get right to the interview. Uh, what Mark and I did was we went through each other's top 10 prospect lists and uh, exchanged reasons why we liked where our guys were and uh, he had some guys who I ranked low, higher and and vice versa and we each had some guys that weren't on each other's list Um, there's some surprising names possibly, Uh, these are pretty recognizable prospect names and neither one of us ranked any of these three players on our top 10 so I'll just touch on these guys real quick Uh, they're all first round picks Jacob Zaborl and Jeremy Lozon, two of the Bruins' defensive prospects. They're both 22 years old. Um, they both have uh, three points in 11 games this season. 
Uh, Zaboral is 7% Fantrax owned, so there's some people out there still holding on to that first round pick, hoping that he makes the team. And that's not that big of a stretch. Um, and it's a little bit surprising to me that he didn't make either one of our lists. He was the last defenseman cut in preseason this year. Right? He played the very last uh, exhibition game with the Bruins, so they gave him a, a hard long look. Um, and when injuries come around, I, I'm, I'm sure he'll get some NHL game time this season. He's a, You can consider him a, a two-way uh, sort of defenseman. Uh, he should be, uh, if he makes this the NHL on a regular basis, it'll be in their bottom six. Um, it's the kind of guy that you can put on in kind of any situation. Um, good at a lot of things, but not great at any of them. Jeremy Lozon is 3% Fantrax owned, and I think those ownership percentages are indicative of their potential. Um, Lozon is a more defensive, physical defenseman. Um, uh, yeah, at this point, I'm not sure if, uh, if you can get anything for either of these defensemen, I would certainly consider, um, parlaying that into some other form of asset as they're diminishing assets, as well as Zachary Sinitian. Um, I've heard a whole bunch of different pronunciations for his last name, but I hope I'm, I've got that right. He's still 7% fan track zone. This is his third year as a pro. Uh, in the last two seasons, he's played 66 games in each season, scoring 26 and 24 points. Uh, so far this year, in 10 games, he's got two points. Uh, he's a player that I think is highly in jeopardy of being surpassed by other prospects in the system. And even despite the fact that he's a first-round pick, they've got some some guys picked in later rounds that Mark and I will talk on that, that have leapfrogged where he is on their depth chart. And he really needs to turn it around this season. Um, he's 22, so it's not too late, but, uh, you know, the clock is ticking on him as a prospect. And again, if you own him in your fantasy league, this is a player I would certainly be looking at, um, either dropping or, or parlaying into some sort of other asset. All right. So those are some guys who did not make either of our top 10 lists. So I'm going to take a quick little musical interlude and come right back. to It's interview time on Dauber Prospects Radio, and I'm really, really pleased to be joined by this week's guest, and it's Mark Allred from the Black and Gold Podcast. And Mark has been um, a really big supporter of this show uh, since pretty much since we started, and uh, I try my best to return the favor whenever possible. So uh, at long last, I finally have an opportunity to to chat with you, Mark, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Peter, for having me. I'm, I'm really excited that we can uh, get some time together and uh, work out our schedule because it's uh, it's it's been long overdue. Yeah, totally. Um, so if, if anyone who's listening to my show hasn't uh, had a chance to catch uh, yours, take a second and uh, just tell my listeners what it is you what it is you do. Uh, we we are a, uh, a full Boston Bruins pro- uh, podcast, and uh, we also have a, a black and gold hockey uh, prospects podcast so we have two shows that's running right now um, we have a, a website content that we have 17 writers working on on uh, we cover all levels of the boston bruins uh, from the nhl down to the prospects developing worldwide uh, it's a lot of fun we get a really really good crew um, we this year we finally uh, 
I've crossed the uh, threshold of uh, press credentials for the Providence Bruins. So I'm spending a lot of time down in Providence and working on a rotation with some of our senior writers that have really, um, you know, so yeah, we, we, we were down in Providence a lot and uh, watching a lot of the prospects. So uh, it's been a lot of fun and look forward to the rest of the season. Yeah, man, it's been it's been really rewarding watching your site grow and, and develop. And now you've got the press credentials to to back it up. That's amazing. And we were just saying before we recorded, we're, we're both thinking about going to the draft in Montreal. So uh, I really hope we get a chance to to hook up there and have a pint and maybe even record a little bit of a segment. I do a lot of interviews from the draft for for my show. So if you're there, man, I'll have you on again. That's how that'd be awesome. Yeah, we're looking forward to uh, at least uh, having myself represented at the uh, 2020 draft or um, uh, one of our s- several writers. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, and a smoked meat sandwich to to wash it down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, one of the things that I do besides this podcast is uh, I, I write for a couple other places, too. And recently I've been doing some top 10 prospect ranking articles for the My NHL Trade Rumors site. And one of the ones I just did was the Boston Bruins. And I thought, hey, man, here's the perfect opportunity an excuse to get Mark to come on our show and have him tear my list apart. So <laughs> I know you've got a top 10 list too. Uh, we kind of shared uh, lists just before I hit the record button. Um, so I'm thinking it might be kind of fun to go through our uh, our respective top 10s. They're, they're pretty similar. There's some different names and there's some guys that are within a couple of spots of each other. But uh, for anyone out there who's got Boston Bruins prospects on their fantasy roster and, and they're wondering where they fit in, uh, this will give them a really good indication as to what they got. So let's uh, let's start at number 10. And uh, the guy I had ranked at number 10 is uh, Jakob Lakau. Or Lok Lakau. Fuck, I can't pronounce his name. Anyhow, he's, uh, he's the guy I have at 10. And the reason he's playing right now in Providence. And uh, he's off to a pretty good start this season. Um, he came over last year. He played in the queue. Uh, with Ruan Naranda, helped them all the way to a Memorial Cup championship. Um, he's having a good first season as a pro. I ranked him at 10. Uh, who do you have at 10? I have uh, Pavel Shen. He's a seventh-round draft pick in 2018. Um, he's a, a real fast kid. Um, he's got inc- incredible speed. I know I said that, um, but he's got g- good vision, uh, good pass. Good instincts, um, decent hockey IQ, uh, but he's it's just his the way he can stick handle and, and move um, makes him just one of those uh, late round picks that you just want, you know, you, it's not going to blow you out of the water, but it's also one that you're going to keep an eye on because he does have some incredible attributes. Now, I haven't seen enough of his game in order to justify putting him on my rankings. I saw him play last year over here in North America when he came through with... Um, the Russia series, and then he made the world junior team for Russia as well. Uh, And he looked really good in those tournaments, Uh, four points in seven games in the world juniors, and then four points in six games in the super series. Uh, But that's a pretty small sample size, a tournament like that. Um, And I haven't seen him play in the KHL. He had pretty, uh, pretty irrelevant stats there, 20 games, one assist. Um, And I assume that he had really limited ice time as the young players in the KHL tend to have. Um, and I haven't seen him play in Providence this year. He's got seven games under his belt and he's got two assists. Providence is a pretty good team. You watch them all the time. Tell me a little bit about his uh, deployment there, if you don't mind. 
I think that the uh, the major thing for him is the adjustment from the the international ice down to the North American two hundred foot sheet, uh, and th- that's coming along, um, and that's that was important for another prospect that we'll talk about later on. But uh, I, I think his adjustment's good. I think he's really starting to um, to get comfortable um, over here. Uh, a, there is a language barrier, of course, that I think that you know obviously he's going to work on as he continues to be um, uh, in his pro- young professional years. Um, but there's, there's a lot to, that he can do, uh, especially at the, uh, the development side of the Boston Bruins organization and the, and the depth. So uh, it's a work in progress, but he, uh, he still deserves number 10 for me. Right on. Yeah, I mean, he's 20 years old, and your first year in North America, can uh, it can be difficult, for sure. Uh, the culture transition as well is something that i think you need to take into account let alone the the ice size of course but um just the whole language the food being away from home there's a lot of a lot of things that go into it that you know when i was 20 uh it would have been a challenge um so yeah those are fair points uh but you you like his his upside he's a player that i really like i think he's definitely a fantasy relevant player i'm not sure what his fan tracks ownership is it's probably really low um but he's a player you think would be uh fantasy relevant in a couple of seasons he could it all depends on how he's going to be used um especially in these early years of his end level deal in, in providence and um and what's obviously is going to be opening up in uh nhl contracts in the future and where he might fit in there um but i mean i see him as a uh, as as a piece that just because of his offensive abilities um, and the way he he brings himself to the rink and works hard that that he could be uh, somebody to look you know that's not gonna he's probably gonna be a, a a bottom bottom twelve role I don't see him up in the uh, in the top in the uh, Bruins offense in the National Hockey League level but just somebody to keep an eye on that's for sure yeah absolutely yeah um, so that's Pavel Shen again um, I, I'm really uh, really interested in watching how how he does. All right, so he, he did not make my top 10 list. He was one of the perimeter players, I would say, guys who I would have uh, taken a look at. But like I said, I didn't. I don't have enough sample size to uh, to justify putting him on my list. Uh, guy number nine on my list is Oscar Steen. Uh, he made your top 10, too. He's not number nine. He's a little further up on your list. Not giving away any spoilers, though. Um, so Steen right now is another player that's in his first year in North America. He's come over from uh, Sweden, the SHL. He's got 10 games under his belt, two goals, two assists, four points. So he's having a little bit easier of a transition. Uh, is that safe to say? Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Um, I, I like, he's another one that's just a, just a speed rocket. He, he loves to move. Um, and, and he's a good guy. He's a great interview, a lot of fun. Even though I don't understand half of the words he's saying, he's still... He makes light of uh, it and, and, you know, a very comfortable conversation. So, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, he, he's he's definitely one that's going to be in the mix sooner or later. Right. And he is a 2016 uh, late draft pick as well. Sixth round pick. The Bruins are pretty good at finding those diamonds in the rough. And uh, he had a total breakout season last year. I mean, I'm looking at his elite prospects page right now and you go down his stats in the last couple seasons, they're pretty unspectacular since his draft. Um, you know, f- SHL 47 games, 3 points, 
uh, 17, 18, 45 games, six points. And then last year, 46 games, 37 points. Boom. Bit of a breakout. Made the World yeah. Juniors the, the season before. So that breakout season in the SHL was, you know, enough to convince the Bruins to to sign him. And they brought him over. And uh, the early returns are, are pretty promising. Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely a, a valued tool right now for um, for Providence head coach Jay Leach. Uh, he could put him in all situations, whether it be at the uh, the top of the offensive lines or or, or the mid the mid areas or the uh, the forward areas. But um, yeah, he's 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 good. He's got a great shot, pro release, um, and and like I said, that speed is just something that is always something I pick up on when I watch him because he just. The way he uh, his stride is and he's a smaller player, um, but he he's got a big stride, so he he moves pretty well. And and once he gets that open ice, it's it's really tough to keep up with him. And the way he dekes uh, that shoulder fake, he really like just freezes defensemen sometimes. Right on. Um, okay, so that's number nine off my list, Oscar Steen. Uh, you have uh, who do you have at number nine? I have defenseman Axel Anderson. He was selected in the second round of the 2018 draft. Um, he's an interesting kid because uh, I also attend every development camp. Um, it, it's a four-day event here in Boston. Uh, with, it, recently at the Warrior Ice Arena, but previously it was at the Restuccia in Wilmington, Mass. Um, but even back to in Restucia when I was first there in 2016, I, I saw Steen and he kind of blew me away. I, I'm sorry, Anderson. Yeah, so a- Anderson, uh, 2018 second round pick. Um, he's a defenseman and he's he, he's got really really solid attributes. Uh, he can skate. Um, he's very offensive. He's got good vision, good good uh, tape to tape pass. Needs to bulk up a little bit. Um, and uh, obviously uh, learn a little bit more of the North American defensive style. Um, and I believe that the ice difference from where he came from over in Europe to the American hockey, I mean, to, the, uh, to North America is going to be important for his development. So the, he's a work in progress. Um, was uh, labeled to be going to Providence this season, but they had the option to put him in, with, in Moncton in the, in the queue with the Wildcats, and I think that it was the best idea for him because he's going to go and play with uh, players more his age and uh, get that development, whether it be a year or another. Who knows? He's young enough that he could stay uh, in the queue and come to the uh, AHL whenever ready. But uh, I just think a solid piece in the depth, but uh, one that is a work in progress nonetheless. Right on. So he's another player that I don't really know too much about. Uh, I haven't seen a Moncton game yet this year, and uh, I don't watch a lot of the international games. Um, he did play in the World Junior Championships, but he was two points in seven games. He's not a really offensive defenseman, is he? No, I mean, he can jump up in the play if if, if needed, and I think that's something that um, Moncton is going to teach him to do more often because of the shorter ice and, and the... Uh, and how fast the game really is over here in North America. But, um, and I think that the, that's what the Bruins would like to see him do too. But if he's going to, if the Bruins do project him to be more of that stay home kind of uh, defenseman, that he's going to seriously have to bulk up because uh, he, he, he needs that weight. Uh, even in uh, training sessions in uh, development camp, you can see he gets knocked off the puck a lot. And 
gets moved away. Um, but uh, those those are just things that you can just you can work on uh, year to year before you get to the uh, the ultimate level in the NHL. Right on, right on. So uh, Axel Anderson, another player not on my list. So so far you've got two guys who I didn't rank at all, and I've had two that you ranked higher than I ranked them. So there's some disparity on our list here. This is interesting. <laughs> exactly. uh, moving on to number eight. Who do you have at, at eight? I have goaltender Kyle Kaiser. Um, he's an undrafted goaltender out of uh, Oshawa. Uh, I spent a lot of time watching him on the streams and um, and listening to, uh, yeah, just, just re- reading a bunch of stuff about him um, over in the Ontario Hockey League. And uh, when he came over, was the timing was kind of funny because uh, the day after Malcolm Subban was claimed by the Vegas Golden Knights, the Boston Bruins came and uh, and scooped Kyle up on a free agent deal. Um, and obviously, we'll talk about this player later on, but Studnika was with that team too. So any scouts that were in the building that were watching Studnika were obviously there watching Kyle Kaiser too. And, and obviously, the word got out that we need to get this guy in the fold because... Uh, in my opinion, the goaltending depth is 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 decent, but it's not great, and it can be better with uh, with additions like Kaiser. So, yeah, he's uh, definitely one that to look at. I think he's going to be one of those types of goaltenders that you can you can de- put in the fold in a couple of years um, uh, in a backup role. I'm not too sure. I'd like to see him play him more often. Uh, backups, more or less, to me, are the uh, types of players that are, are older in. in uh, you know, in their lives, and and Kaiser, I just don't want to see him, uh, you know, waste his young years as a backup. I think Providence will probably be a good opportunity for him for a couple of years, and then and then work his way up. But I do project him to be the next starter in the uh, in the future. Yeah, he uh, he aged out of junior in, in the OHL, and he made Team USA at the World Junior Championships last year. He only got into two games. They had some other guy called Spencer Knight that was all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh so right now he's he's in his first year as a pro in providence uh it looks like he's got three games played he looks okay in the in the big leagues yeah he's got a one one and one record he's got a decent goals against average it's about two 250 um save percentage is right around uh 915 i think uh so he, he does look good he's got some really good athleticism uh, he, he covers post to post really well good lateral movements for a, that smaller type of goaltender um but it's just the way his aggressiveness and to cut down the angles uh, has, has really impressed me and, and the way he comes out and then able to get back. Um, so there's, uh, he, he, he remind, it doesn't remind me of, of Malcolm Subban back in the day that was so aggressive and good that he'd come down and make a save but wasn't able to get back and it was pretty much like an open net. Kaiser plays that difference, plays that middle very well and, uh, and, and just gets back in time. So, yeah, I mean, he's... He's fun to watch. Unfortunately, I don't. I haven't seen him a lot this season because he's been playing a lot. I think he played one game at the dunk when I was there, but um, he's been down in the Atlanta system. He got called up recently from the East Coast Hockey League Atlanta Gladiators with the injury to Dan Vodai, lower body. Uh, Dan's in a boot right now and uh, obviously going to be uh, back soon as he's on the ice uh, skating, but not in full practice. So it's interesting to me that you rank him higher than than Dan Vlader, um, and as the highest ranked 
prospect in the Bruins system. And they also have uh, Jeremy Swayman as well. And I think that's the only other really relevant prospects they have in, in goaltending. Um, but you like you like uh, Kaiser better than those guys, eh? Yeah, I was a big uh, Vladar guy when he came in um, in the 2015 when the Boston Bruins had, like, I think, like 12 picks in that year and, and notably three in the first round back to back to back. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a work in progress, but I just think that um, his game is there, but mentally uh, his mind is not there. I think he's just one of those kids that uh, are, are having a trouble transitioning his, his game and, and being so far away from home. Um, in the Czech Republic. So I think that's something that he's got to work on uh, personally and uh, professionally. I mean, he does have the attributes to be there, but um, watching his games lately, it just seems like he gets really frustrated. And uh, I just don't think that he's um, he's all there to put him on my top 10. I mean, he's, he's shortly right outside this window that, that we're talking about, but um, you know, who knows? Maybe with a better year this year, I mean, my list can start jockeying around and you know he's not definitely not going to take overtake Kaiser at, at my position right here, but uh, he possibly could sneak in and grab a top ten next year if he's uh, still around. Needs a good year. This is a make or break kind of year for him, eh? Because he yeah, was he was higher, and he's kind of you're not the only guy that's got him trending down. Yeah, it's just it. it you see things, um, body language and character are huge things when you when you interview. Uh, and when I interviewed him um, in 2016, when I first started going to uh, the Boston Bruins development camps. Um, he was a kid that was had a huge smile on his face all the time and nothing could go wrong. But every year, it just seemed like when you saw him during the summer events, it was more or less like like you could see him being like dragged out. It was just it wasn't for him anymore. And I just think that's something that he has to work on uh, mentally. And and this is not a knock on him, you know, and, and his development where he could end up in the future. It's just something that he has to work on uh, personally. And and then I mean. Players do this all the time. It, it's tough. It is tough when you when you play hockey since 12 years old and you've been on the road in international tournaments, you spend a lot of time from family. I mean, these early 20 years are the ones that really catch up to you. And, you know, so hopefully he gets it all because he does have great athleticism. But I was a tremendous uh, bottom low goalie that covers post to post. He's tall, lanky, uh, and, he, and he plays his angles very well. He just... I just think that that um, that whole head issue, once he gets that straightened out, he's going to be a solid netminder. And who knows in what organization. But Well, you know. the most important attribute for me in goaltenders is is between the ears. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, some of the, the stories and the things that I've, that I've seen and heard that are all uh, underlying con constants in some of the greatest goalies that ever played, like... Patrick Waugh and Martin Brodeur and Dominic Hasek and in my lifetime, um, yep. they all have the same thing, right? Like the like Hasek was tell his defenseman, like if the guy's going to shoot, get out of the way. I'll save it if you just get out of the way. Um, you guys go up the ice and score, if, like go for it. And if you give up a breakaway or an odd man rush, I'll save it. Don't worry about it. And Patrick Waugh would go into the dressing room in a in an overtime game or in a playoff game, and they're down, and he'd like guys. There's no way they're going to score another goal on me. So just go out there and tie it up. And like he backed it up. Uh, and my favorite story to, to back this up is 
uh, Martin Verdura. I was watching a playoff game, and I forget who New Jersey was playing, but they just like lobbed it in, and it took a funny bounce around just inside the blue line, and he came out to play it the way he always does, and he like drops his goal stick, kind of stumbles on it, the puck bounces over him and goes in. It was like one of the worst goals you've ever seen, and. And it's a playoff game, and the the game was was very close. I can't remember what the score was, but it was you know it was a contested game. And his, his defenseman comes back to you know give him the old tap on the pads like that. Don't worry about it, dude. We got this. And he was like laughing about it. <laughs> you know, like this. You're on front of twenty thousand people and millions of people on TV, and you lay an egg like that. Like that's going to be a highlight reel brain fart. Um, <laughs> that you know, like that kind of stuff ruins people's careers or lives in some cases. And he was laughing about it right away. And it didn't phase him. He was, if it did anything, it made him more focused, you know, like and that's, uh, I think what makes goaltenders go from good to great uh, and be really yeah. consistent. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and... I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. No, I just wanted to say, it's just, you know, we're all human. We all have issues and so on. It's just, and how it's related to to every the day to day life is 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 different on everybody. So you know, hopefully hopefully he gets it because like I said, he's 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 got a lot of good good things. Yeah, it's something that I think um, fans lose sight of a lot, especially in fantasy hockey. That's you know, it's it's not NHL, EA Sports, NHL. Um, they're not little computer generated characters. These are real people, and they have real things going on in their lives. They have, you know, relationship troubles, newborn babies, kids committing suicide, um, yeah. all, all kinds of stuff that we had no idea, right? So, um, and rightfully so, but we shouldn't know. Uh, but kind of getting totally back on track here, the next guy on my list, ranked number eight, is the first guy who is outside of your list, and that's Carson Kuhlman. Uh, I ranked him on the list because, well, he still qualifies as a prospect on the conditions and the parameters for the article that I wrote, and he's playing on the Bruins, so that's pretty good. Uh, and I was really impressed with what I saw with him in the postseason last year. So, uh, excuse me, Kuman is, and I love players who are from college and, and sign as unrestricted free agents, and that's exactly what he did. He played out his uh, four years, I think it was with uh, Minnesota Duluth, yeah. Um, and then he was in, signed a ATO, I think, or, or an AHL contract with Providence and played well enough and hard enough um, to earn himself um, his ELC with the Bruins. And that's pretty much the, the calling, the hallmark of his game, right, is his, is his hustle, is his intensity and, and his will to compete. Um, it really translates even through TV. Uh, and I find that's something that you see easier when you're watching a game live than you do on TV. But when it really shines through like that on TV, and I have all kinds of time for players like that, even if they're not the most skilled players, and Kuhlman might not be, but man, he just has a motor that doesn't quit, eh? Yeah, and and that comes from right out of college, man. That kid, the kid's determination to rise to the levels uh, has been nothing but impressive. And uh, the the year that he had when he when he won the national championship comes to Providence scores a goal in Providence in in late spring comes into uh, the Bruins training camp like you said on an ATO and then you know comes in and then scores a goal in the NHL I mean that's that's just a great year right there for him and and he's he's so fast he's so fast and skillful um, I don't I don't know how this guy gets around for his size. 
um, some of these bigger NHL players, but he finds ways to do it and 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 continues to get more and more um, a trust from Bruce Cassidy to put him anywhere in the lineup. Um, you know, second line, third line, uh, fourth line. It's, it's, he's happy to go wherever he's needed, and he, and he uses his attributes to the best of his ability. So solid prospect. I, I did not have him on my list, and um, I don't know why. Maybe it's because he's already in the NHL, and I just don't consider I don't know. Even though they're on East entry-level contracts and they're in the NHL, I just don't see them as them being, like, in the prospect scenario, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, he's under 25, barely. He's 24, and he's played less than 25 NHL games so far. So, by the criteria of this list, he qualified, and so therefore, right. I was like, well, I mean, he's eligible, and <laughs> he's good, and he's on the team, right? Like, if he was just barely eligible and playing in the ECHL, well, then hard no. But anyways, yeah. So it's just a matter of. Uh, so I think we're both in agreement that he's a good, legit player and Absolutely. he deserves to be on the roster or rather prospect list maybe not but um but he made mine just because that's the way it worked <laughs> <laughs> can't argue with that yeah yeah uh so moving up to number seven now um in the seventh spot i have uh peter Solaric. he is uh in boston as well he just barely made the the cutoff as well he's 24 6 202 so he's got pretty good size um, he's one of those guys that's kind of gone under the radar. I think he's had a, a number of injuries, if I'm not confusing him with someone else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's had some call-ups before and he's a prolific scorer at the AHL, but hasn't really translated that to the NHL. And I think some injuries might've had something to do with that. Um, however, I, I look at his, uh, I look at his, his stats line and the limited times I've seen him, I, he's shown me some hands that I think are really great. Uh, and some shooting ability as well. Um, I he did not make your list, if I'm not mistaken. He did not. All right, so I have him at seven, and and he's outside your top ten. Um, I would like very much to hear what your your take is on him. He, I mean, he he's a solid player, big body, um, plays that power forward type of game, um, but he's he's he is injury prone, um, which is unfortunate, and. And what, like you said, when he gets up to the NHL level, it just seems like he's just not fully engaged in, in the moment. Um, and in, in those moments, you really have to make, you don't have to go and score, you know, uh, serving up apples or score goals all the time, but it's how you make an impact in the game that makes you, that will make you ultimately stay there for an, you know, a longer look. But um, I just don't, he just doesn't do it do anything for me when it, when they does get that call. But let me tell you, when he comes down to Providence, um, he does work. He works really hard. Uh, and he's, he's one of those older types of players that acts like a veteran leadership role with the team. And, and, and this year he's been off to a fantastic start. Uh, he's got six goals in six games. Um, he's got eight points. He's a plus five. Um, so he's, He's very engaged at the AHL level, but it's just when he gets to that NHL uh, ex- experience and he gets somewhere in the lineup, it's like a deer in headlights to me sometimes that I uh, just doesn't know when to actually pick it up and go. Um, but in a lot of paper transactions right now with, with people getting injured, uh, he's been the most notably call up with eight points in six games. So um, th- they do see something with him, but... This is some. This is one of those years. It's an audition year for a further contract, whether it be a two-way or 
uh, an AHL contract. But I, I personally believe a player like him and looking at the depth that's coming up on him um, in in the next year, he's going to be one of those types of players that might have a better opportunity with another National Hockey League club. Right. Yeah, it is interesting that this is a contract year for him. He's 24 years old. He's been very good at the AHL level and and not the same at the NHL level. Uh, I think it's safe to say this is a make-or-break year for him, um, either as a, a Bruins prospect or even as an NHL player. Like, 24 years old, like you should be hitting your full stride at that age. Um, do you think that he's struggling at the NHL level uh, because of a, a speed issue either he's not fast enough to keep up with the play or is it maybe just like a, a mental speed he's not he's not seeing the plays <clears throat> and keeping up with them uh mentally yeah i mean there's definitely something wrong there when he comes up to the the national hockey league level um that's something that you got to work on now uh, i kind of believe that he could probably get better at that what 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 he needs to absorb and be better at the national hockey league level if he had more time. I just think that when he's called up, he's not used very effectively, and um, that might be an uncomfortable thing for him, which makes him go down to the AHL and work a little harder to get a you know to get that another look. But like you said, you know, and I said earlier, it's, it is a contract year, so uh, this audition might it's you either got to get it now or you might not be around later on. Paging Seattle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so where are we here? We're at seven. That's my seven. Uh, you also... Nope, you don't have him. Uh, so number seven for you is a guy that we both have. Um, you've got uh, John Beecher at seven. The Boston Bruins first round pick from this past draft. Uh, cracks your top ten. Why do you figuring him in at seven? Uh I think it's a good place to put him for right now. Obviously, um, next year's rankings could probably have him higher with how he does and, and how he produces. But so far, so good in his first year at Michigan as a freshman. And uh, working on the third line, which I find is very um, good and funny in the same time because he's just he's that type of player that you think would be have top-line minutes, but he's the size. He has the size of, of a big, rangy forward that will give you hard grinding minutes with a, with some top offensive skill. And um, I really like the way he's working with fellow Bruins prospect, Jack Becker on that third line. Those guys are, have so much real good chemistry and they're both Bruins prospects. So um, it's, it's something good to have them uh, on that same line and, and have a buddy in the same system. So, uh, and Jack Becker, by the way, not on my list, but is, is also off to a fantastic start. Um, so, yeah, I mean, John's a, a good kid. He's a great interview, very smart, uh, intelligent. So th there's a lot of things that are there that are going to, you know, be, be good in the future, um, especially the way the, the Boston Bruins, they develop centers and they draft centers. They, they I mean, you got Bergeron, Krejci, and, um, you know, so it's, it, I think he's going to be a valued asset in the future, um, especially as a freshman, you have time to stew on him. And uh, hopefully he plays all four years. But um, I'm hearing that uh, there could be an opportunity that he's a one and done type of player, um, you know, kind of sort of like what they did with Danton Heinen out of Denver. 
Um, they took him after his sophomore year, so thought that he was ready enough. So a lot of people think that after John's done with his NCAA freshman year, he could be ready to make the jump to the American Hockey League at least and get a look there and possibly NHL in, in a year or two. Interesting. I think he's right where he needs to be. So last year he's on the um, the U.S. team that had Jack Hughes and Alex Turcotte and Trevor Zegras. So those are all guys that are that can play center as well. <clears throat> so Beecher being 6'3", 210 plus pounds, whatever he is, big guy. Um, he was used in a lot of uh, checking line deployment uh, with that team. So it was kind of a a double-edged sword. You're playing on this stack team. You have great line mates to play with. Um, and you're obviously not getting the the other team's talk checking assignments. That's going to go to, to Hughes or Turcotte or Zgrass. Uh, so you're getting a good deployment and assignment for ice time. But at the same time, you're getting limited ice time because those guys are getting all the offensive starts and whatnot and power play time. Um, you do have a lot of scouts at all your games. So he was very well scouted. Um, and despite the fact that his offensive numbers were a little bit lower than some of those other guys, he still managed to squeeze into that top round too. And the Bruins picked him at like 29th to 30th, whatever it was. Uh, he also made my top 10 list. I have him in the very next spot uh, up at seven. So we have Beecher. Sorry, I have him at six. You have him at seven. I have him at six. Uh, so that's John Beecher. Uh, the guy you have at six is my 10th ranked guy as Jacob Jakob Blackow. So we talked about him. Um, you have him a little bit higher. Why do you have him over some of the other guys we've talked about? Uh, I, I think Jakob's just a, a raw talent uh, that, that is like destined to be in the, in the NHL sooner or later. And um, I think that uh, not returning him because uh, he was, he did have the option uh, what did have the availability to go back to Ruin Naranda um, for another year in the queue, but uh, I think I believe the Boston Bruins think that he needed this type of role. Um, Jakob's playing in the uh, third and fourth lines uh, on a Jay Leach system in Providence, so he's um, he's getting those that grind type line feel to his development, and uh, I think that you know sooner or later he'll start earning uh, more time. But he's playing very well. I mean he's. He's got three goals in um, what is it? Three goals in ten games, uh, and those numbers aren't staggering. I mean, they're not you know you know not great, but it, it's it's just uh, his adjustment to the uh, to the rinks and so on. And and uh, he needs, in my opinion, needs to work on a little bit on a two way game. But and um, and the way he uh, possesses the puck in full stride, um, his his feet are so fast sometimes that he loses the puck. And uh, those are two small things that he he needs to work on as a work in progress. But um, I, I see him on in the NHL um, with availability coming up at least maybe next year, maybe the year after. But a solid piece in the uh, in the Bruins depth. Right on. Yeah, he's a fast rising prospect for sure. Um, I think he's done what he needs to do in the queue. Uh, you know, he's adjusted to North America, led them to Memorial Cup. Kind of been there, done that. Um, time for him for to take on the next challenge, and that's uh, pro hockey in, in North America in the AHL. So I think he's right where he needs to be as well. All right, so that is the bottom five. Uh, again, just to recap, going down from 10, I had uh, Jakob Lakow, Oscar Steen, Carson Kuhlman, Peter uh, Solarek, and John Beecher. And Mark had Pavel Shen, Axel Anderson, the goalie Dan DeKaiser, uh, uh, John Beecher, and he had Jakob Lacko at six. So now we're cracking the top five, 
And uh, you've got a guy that we've already talked about there, my ninth-ranked guy. You have Oscar Steen uh, a lot higher than I had him. Uh, we already talked about it a little bit, but why do you have him, again, so much higher than, than some of the other guys we talked about? I, just um, the way he skates, his speed and, it, and his shot. Um, nothing but impressive, um, a little undersized, but I think in, the, in today's NHL, that's more accepted. Your, your talent is, uh, is now overseen above the body. Um, but so I, I think he's going to fit a bigger role with, uh, the availability at the NHL level with, with expiring contracts. So he could definitely fit in, um, fourth line minutes and work his way up. I mean, he, he, he doesn't remind me of Marshan, but he's like the same size as Marshan and how he started in the NHL coming in as, as a bottom bottom uh, offensive guy and then obviously worked his way up to the best line in hockey. So, I mean, there's total potential for Oscar Steen just by his speed and, and, and his shot. So uh, lots to look forward to, that's for sure. That's interesting. All right, so the guy I got at fifth is uh, very similar to Beecher. That'd be Trent Frederick. Um, another, they're very, very similar in a lot of ways. They were both very late first round picks by the Bruins. Uh, he was picked 29th overall. Um, Beecher was picked 30th overall. Frederick's draft year was 2016. Uh, he's playing in the NCAA and I think he's turned pro now has, yeah, yeah, he's turned pro for sure. Uh, but he's another guy that went, uh, and did some time in, in NCAA, uh, kind of a throwback center, you know, 6'2", 203 pounds. Um, I think in his first game in the NHL, he dropped the mitts and had a pretty impressive looking like he belonged there kind of fight. Um, and he's a good two-way player. He, it's not like he's a offensively inept. Uh, and despite being a big guy, he moves around the ice pretty well. Uh, that's pretty much what I've seen from, from Frederick. Uh, I think he's NHL bound, he's got, you know, leadership capabilities, but he's going to be a bottom six center in, in my opinion. I don't think he's got franchise center kind of kind of game to him. Um, do you see him kind of the same way? Uh, my projections for uh, Trent Frederick are definitely right around the third uh, line center role. I think that um, once the Bruins uh, either trade Krejci uh, or he walks a free agency um, it, it, obviously the movement upward is going to make a uh, create a spot for Frederick on that third line. And I think that that'd be a deserving spot for him because I, um, you said that he got in, in a fight in his first NHL game. Well, his first AHL game, as soon as that cage came off after he left, um, a Tony Granado taught, um, Wisconsin Badger club, uh, he's, he dropped the gloves with somebody immediately and got ready for the American hockey league with a, with a, an unbelievable bout. I don't remember who it was and what team it was, but I do remember him chucking those knocks and it was very impressive to watch. Maybe that's um, the fight I'm thinking of. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I think he's a third line center projection. Uh, I love his, I love how aggressive he is in the, in the face off. He does it clean, but he's, he's a, he's a, uh, he's, he's rough. And, um, he, he can skate. He's got really good shot and he's got an NHL release. I've, I, you know, I say that a lot, but, I mean, he's got he's got a lot of really good things to work on, um, but I, the the path to the NHL right now is just it's kind of a bottleneck with everything up at top, like as you mentioned with the, with all the centers. Um, and once that's relieved, I think you'll have a spot for sure. But until then, um, you know, it's it's definitely the AHL. His numbers aren't great, but that's something that can definitely be worked on. And I know Jay Leach uses him in multiple different roles. Um, but he, uh, he works very well with others and, 
yeah, I, I look forward to, to watching him on a regular basis uh, with Boston. Yeah, he's certainly a player. I think his uh, offensive output is a little bit limited, but because he does, uh, you know, he wins draws and he's he's going to throw a lot of hits. He's probably going to block a lot of shots and he's going to get some some scraps and pims. Uh, he's a multi-cat guy, so anyone who's in a bangers and mash, keeping Carlson uh, kind of <laughs> leak, he, he's he's a uh, he's a player you definitely want to you want to keep on your on your radar. Uh, I find there's a lot of similarities between him and Beecher, uh, but we both had him ranked a little bit higher than Beecher. Maybe that's just because he's a little bit older and and closer to the to the show. Do you think? I believe so. I mean, yeah. I mean, Trent already already got his AHL duties and um and. You know, and uh, Beecher with the NCAA. So yeah, yeah, I kind of, I would put it that way. Yeah, it, this the sample size with Frederick's a little bit better too. We have a, you know, a little bit more comfortable in our projection on him, whereas uh, Beecher is is a lot more promise than, uh, or sorry, a lot more potential than than promise. Yep. Uh, okay, so you've got Frederick at four. Uh, my fourth ranked guy is a player that didn't make your cut at all and i think again that's just a logistics thing uh but i have jfk here um jacob forbaska carlson he is a boston terrier alumni and i love the boston terriers maybe it's because i have a boston terrier that might have something to do with it Uh, yeah our our family has two of them too they're great dogs man they're awesome dogs dogs. (laughs) yeah uh so so he came out of um the ncaa and he turned pro um is it one or two years he played pro I should know this because I own him in one of my leagues. I think it was just one. I think last year was his first full pro season, wasn't it? Uh, I believe so. I, my list all screwed up. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, one or two, whatever it was. Uh, he, he spent most of his time in the AHL. He had a hard time making an impression at the NHL, kind of like some of the other players we talked about. I guess he didn't really care for that very much because he's gone back to... Uh, He's gone back to Europe. I think he's playing in Sweden right now. Uh, so he's kind of followed the Alex Koklachev route and uh, might not be long for the, the Bruins organization. Um, however, he's a very talented hockey player. And for now, he's still listed as Boston Bruins property, even though they've loaned him back out to Europe. Uh, so that is why I, cr- I let him squeeze into my top 10. In terms of fantasy, uh, he's more of a two-way player. Um, might not ever make it in a top six role if he comes back to the nhl uh, that's certainly in question now if he ever comes so if you have him in your fantasy league uh if it's a really really deep dynasty keeper league then i would recommend holding on to him um but you know if you're you know 12 teams or or less even with full prospect boss roster you could probably do better than than jfk if he ever comes back he, maybe you can get him back on your roster um is that the reason why he didn't make your list though because he's kind of working his way out of the the organization uh Kind of, sort of. I mean, I, I just, uh, I think the, the hype came from Matt Grizzlick, uh, a former um, Boston Terrier alumnus uh, that played with uh, JFK when he said that JFK is, is like the next Patrice Bergeron and that just blew everything up to make him sound like he's just, just this great two-way player. And I, I honestly, I haven't seen much of that. He does have show really good, really good um uh, times that he's a he's a good player and he's on top of it but other times it's very laid back and, and disinterest and that's that's just my opinion but there might be a lot of other things that are going on like we talked about family and and personal stuff but uh the reason why the he went back to uh sweden was to um he's i believe his father is is not well and he wanted to play 
uh, a year over there while uh, I, I believe that, and I hate to say this, but I, I believe that uh, his father is not going to be around this much longer. So this was for him to get closer to his family. Um, while he was with Providence, uh, I met his mother several times. She would fly over here to watch his games along with like Anton Bleed's dad. And those, those, two, guys, those two people are fantastic parents they are just top-notch adults i'm telling you it's so nice but um this is a that was a personal thing for him to go over and it was a, it was agreed upon from the organization too uh they found it that you know he can go over and develop a little bit more and and be closer to family so um i, I mean he does have so much good skill and so on but it's just it, to me it's just really untapped and and uh, I think when everything settles with family and personal issues, you might get the best out of him. But until then, I just really haven't seen anything um, when it comes to his game that really blows me away. Wow, that is some very, very interesting insight. I didn't know any of that. That's uh, very interesting and, and very sad to hear. Yeah, um, it is because they're, they're fantastic people. They really are. Oh, that's terrible. Um, he has been in North America for a long time, though, since he was like 16. He played uh, two seasons in the USHL, two seasons NCAA, and he's had two seasons of pro. I thank you, Elite Prospects, for correcting yeah. me. Uh, yeah, so 17-18, he played the entire season in the A with, uh, with the Providence Bruins, 58 games. And then last year, he had an even split, 28 games uh, with both, nine ga- nine points in the NHL and 16 points uh, with Providence. I saw him play a couple times with the Terriers and I just love how uh, tenacious he was on the forecheck. I have all kinds of time for players like that, that just feel like they own the puck and the other team's got no business touching it. Um, I, I really enjoy that. Um, so anyways, that's why he made my, my list. Hopefully things work out with, uh, with his hockey career um, and he comes back and finds his way into the NHL. Uh, all right, so we're in the top three now, man. Yeah. And, yeah, this is where it starts <laughs> to get really good. So we both have the the same guy at th- in the top three. Um, our top two are, are switched around, but we both have um, Anders Bjork as our third-ranked uh, prospect. So will you go ahead and tell me what you like about Bjork? I like his game. Uh, it's, it's, it's speed for me. Um, and I'm going to tell you something, and it might be a little dirty, but I, I get a kickstand every time I see him play with Coyle and Heinen. It is something to be it is special. And, and the only time I saw that was in preseason. Bruce needs to put that line together as soon as possible because you got Coyle, who is a puck possession master. Heinen has got the two-way game, and, and Bjork has, has the speed and shot. That is that line is just that it has to come together. I, I wish I could just talk to Bruce about it and just say, listen, gun to your head, put this line together, sir. You need to do this because it, it is it's it's good to see. So he's got a lot of potential and an NHL shot. I mean, unreal shot. Unfortunately, injuries have uh, have plagued him the past two seasons with shoulder and so on. And everybody calls him soft. He can't take a hit. This kid can take a hit. It's just he was in a vulnerable position both times, and 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 open ice hits, by the way. But um, his speed, and his shot, is something uh, something special to watch. And once he gets more time and more trust from the Bruins coaching staff, which he's getting now with this call up, um, it's it, it's on him to keep it up. And and if he if he like I said, if he makes more impacts to each game, 
he's going to get more and more trust and even even could see some uh, some time on the top two lines with uh, either Bergeron and Marchand or or Krejci and DeBrusque. Who knows? But I mean, he, he and and he, he's a versatile forward too, which you could play both wings. So I mean, he's an, he's a, just an asset right there, and and the, his youth and his speed is is something to be uh something to be pleased about. So hopefully he sticks around because um uh, definitely need him um for the you know a, hopefully a long cup run. We need this. We need the youth and you need the speed, and and it's looking good so far. Yeah, for sure. Uh, interesting thing about him is Anders Bjork. Sounds like he's coming over from Sweden, but he's actually American born and, and bred and raised and spent his whole life uh, in North America. Um, he does have a fair amount of NHL experience. He played his first game in 17-18 um, season, 30 games. Last year, he played 20 games, um, which just barely allowed him to be eligible for my criteria because it's 50 games or less. Um, and now he's played, uh, he's been a recent call up to the Bruins. So after eight points in seven games in the AHL, he's, uh, he's up in the NHL. Now he's got a, a goal in, in four games so far this season. Um, so it looks like this is a player that is really trending up in a very fast direction. Uh, he's got a world junior championship gold and bronze medal, uh, to his credit as well. Uh, so, so yeah, I think he's, uh, I think he's going to play more of this season in the NHL than the AHL. Um, all right, so top two. Uh, my number two is uh, defenseman Urho Vakaninen. Uh, I had him ranked uh, number two. Uh, I thought about moving him down a little bit. That's possibly because I have some fantasy hockey bias, and I'm not sure that I see a lot of fantasy hockey uh, upside on this player. He's more of a defensive defenseman um from when i've had an opportunity to watch him play um i'd be curious to see if you see him the same way yeah uh yerho is uh an extremely intelligent defenseman um he's learning the game really well he's learning the small the ice sheet um and he's not going to be that type of defenseman that's going to blow you away with stats uh, or get up in the play when they when you transition offensively uh, he's more or less that type of stay home guy that needs to, I, I, I believe he needs to bulk up as he grows, which, which is, which is going to happen. Muscle mass doesn't happen in a year. It's, it's, it's a, it's a yearly process and, and to keep it going. So, um, and he, and he trains very well. Um, when I see him in the, in the summers, uh, during development camp, he's a very hard worker. Um, he's got, he's got really good speed, um, and his puck possession is good. And I, I think that he is like the, the next hire, I mean, uh, for call-ups and so on. I think that he should be definitely in the mix. Um, if not next season, he could definitely get a shot with uh, the departures of a player like Kevin Miller. Or if they try to get rid of John Moore because of injuries and so on and, and relieve some of the contract, he could fit in there really nicely under the entry-level contract he's currently under. So uh, there's a lot of good things to his game. Uh, and he's a tough kid. He, I, mean, he, I mean, some AHL, AHL players uh, take advantage of, of, of him being new and everything, and, and he gives it right back when, when it's needed. So um, very smart, fast, and... Um, you know, a work in progress. Yeah, if memory serves me correctly, he started last year with the Bruins and played two games and then got a, a concussion. Yeah, he um, came a... back just in time for the World Juniors and then wrapped up the season playing in the AHL. 
Um, so this year he's he's started the season in the AHL, which is probably where he needs to be, right? He needs to play. He needs minutes. He's probably the number one defenseman on Providence. Uh, and to your point, like if he played in the NHL, he wouldn't be getting top pairing minutes. Um, they had a lot of injuries at the start of the year last year. It might have had something to do with um, with them giving him a, a shot at the start of the year. Uh, unfortunately, he added to the list of injured players. Yeah. Uh, so it'd be good for him to get a full season of primetime minutes developing uh, in the AHL. Yep, absolutely. And and yeah, he's he's a definitely work in progress and something somebody I like love watching him skate. Um, his his edge work is really good. Um, and when when you talk about like the edge work and so on, you ever go to a rink and you hear them really grinding into the into their turns. You can hear the ice just you know. He reminds me of Dennis Seidenberg and the way Dennis Seidenberg used to skate. And you could hear it. No matter where in the rink, you can hear him cutting right into the ice. And this is the same type of defenseman. Um, he plays that, you know, it's a, it's a good tough game. Uh, not overly offensive, but, you know, it's, like I said, it's a work in progress. Right on. So he's your number one ranked prospect. He was my number two. Uh, the guy you have ranked number two is is my number one. And that is uh, former Ottawa general... Jack Studnika. Um, I like Studnika. I think he's um, sort of a, a jack of all trades. Uh, he's good at everything, but uh, a master at, at nothing. Um, good offensively, good defensively. You can put him out in any situation. Um, he's got some leadership skills. He was the captain uh, of his junior team, uh, made Team Canada. Um, he's a very versatile player, and I think uh, there's a lot that he does that will translate really well to the program. Um, I'd be more interested to hear what you have to say, though, about him. Yeah, it, I've been watching him since uh, since he was left the podium uh, for the Boston Bruins uh, in, in Oshawa and then the trade last year to Niagara. Um, and and this transition into the American Hockey League, um, I, I, I really liked his game at the OHL level. And um, and so far this season in his first, first full year at, at, with Providence, um, he does have, uh, where is, oh, he's got six, uh, one goal, five assists, six points in 10 games. Um, so he, he's, he's, he's getting involved. He's engaged in the moments. Um, but I, I, I want to see something more from him. Um, and I think that will come along with more games. Um, a lot of people glamorize this guy to be in the NHL, uh, last year and this year, I don't see his placement. Um, he might get a call as a as a thank you. We're still thinking about you and and work harder uh, type of game. Um, but um, I don't I, I don't see him honestly getting a full stretch uh, of looks this year. I think next year he'll definitely get that opportunity um, with the uh, availability and roster. But there's tons to be there. I mean I mean. This is another team that the Bruins, the Bruins team that just um, went out and got a really good center and added to the depth. And I swear, sometimes I think the Bruins, they, they draft the best centers, regardless of uh, opinion. <laughs> <laughs> you might be biased. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think some of this uh, Stadnika to the NHL now uh, 
movement comes from at the end of the 17-18 season, he uh, he finished the year in, in Providence, uh, point a game in five games. And then last year, he, as you said, he was traded to Niagara, so he had a long season. Uh, he was a prolific scorer for them, uh, 11 points in 11 playoff games for Niagara. Um, and then he finished the season in the playoffs with Providence, where he played another four games and had two more points. And if I'm not mistaken, the preseason last year, he played so good for Boston that um, and his, his development in training camps, he was he was really turning heads. Uh, and the Boston was giving some consideration to putting him in the opening night roster, giving him a couple of looks uh, for NHL games at the start of the season. But ultimately, they decided to send him back for his final full year of junior, which I think was the right decision. Uh, so this year, um, he's he's in the AHL. He's he's doing very well. Um, you know, like I said on our previous episode, you got to be really careful when you look at these. Oh, they played four four games at the end of the season in the AHL, and they had four points. That's fantastic. Well, yeah, maybe. What's the context of of those games though? That scenario was the team that he was playing for already eliminated or had already clinched a playoff spot, so they weren't playing their veterans. Um, or were the teams they were going up against, did they actually have anything to play for anymore? Um, so you got to be really cautious about that. Um, so it's nice to see that in, you know, 10 regular season games to start the season, he's got six points already. Yep. Uh, so that bodes well. And like you were saying earlier, I think, you know, when you've got Bergeron and Krejci as your, your top two centers, there's no real need to rush this kid. Just let him play top six minutes in the, the second best league in the world uh, on a really good Providence team. Uh, and give him an opportunity to, you know, be a star at pro hockey level and uh, slow cook these players. I think that is the the right thing to do. You let a player play there. Uh, he had all kind of confidence because right now he's probably thinking, you know, I could probably play in the NHL. I wish I, I wish I were there. I think I could do it. But you let him play a full season in Providence and he scores, you know, um, 50, 60 points in, in the season. Uh, leads Providence to a championship or or a long, deep playoff run by the end of the season, his tune has changed from, I think I could play in the NHL, to, I am an NHL player. What the hell am I doing down here? I demand you put me on the roster. I'm that good. I can play in your top six. Yeah, and he, he had the demeanor of that last year when, when I interviewed him at uh, to, uh, training camp at the Warrior Ice Arena in Brighton, Mass., um, you know, he was so confident. He came out and said, I'm, I'm here to make the roster. I, I believe I can. And, he, you know, he was he was right on top of it. And he was so close to making it. Uh, and it was a great story. But this, you know, I mean, for the draft people out there that just think that he, he deserves a spot. I mean, you just you, you have to respect the way the team, the Boston Bruins and the NHL teams nowadays are developing. They're not rushing these players through anymore. More or less, they're giving them time to stew and, 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 and grow on those attributes that are going to make them better NHL players. And, and, that, and that shouldn't be rushed. And, you know, it brings me back to a little conversation I had a while ago with, like, Zach Senesh, and everybody's on him about, you know, you were a first-round pick, but you, you, you failed to show up. Well, I, 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 and this could be my bias, too, but I don't see it that way. I think that they're, they're working on him, making him a, a better player in the AHL, and when availability comes at the NHL, he might have a role as a right winger, either on the second or third line. But it's just a work in progress. So you can't always expect uh, every player to get where you, where you want them as soon as they leave the podium. Right. And there isn't um, one formula. And if a player deviates from that, they're a bust or they're an exceptionally good player. I mean, every player is their own little individual person and they 
develop at their own right. And there's no right or wrong choice as to like if a player should play in NCAA or Canadian Major Junior or stay in Europe or or whatever, right? Like it just depends on what's right for that particular player. What is their family situation? What is it they need to work on? Um, how long do they need to play uh, pro hockey at a developmental level like the AHL or in the SHL or something like that before they're ready for the NHL? I mean, there isn't an absolute formula for that. It, it's it's very different from player to player. Um, so hopefully Stadnik is where he needs to be. I believe he is. And I believe he could be a top two center in the NHL in the near future. Um, so I think he's just got to bide his time a little bit and develop and force his way into a situation where he can make that happen. Yeah, and, and with hard work, he could definitely, in my projection, would probably be, um, you know, he could take over for David Krejci if, the, if Krejci is not retained uh, and chooses to walk to free agency or from what I'm hearing in rumors that Krejci probably would want to finish his career over in, uh, in his homeland in Europe. Uh, so that might open a door for somebody like Sidnika to be right behind um, Bergeron on the on that second line. So who knows? Yep. Yeah, that's why you need uh, a deep prospect pool uh, so that you can absorb those kind of losses when they inevitably come along. All right. Uh, Mark, thanks so much for uh, going over the top 10 list. Do me a favor. Tell everyone who's listening where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your your podcast and where they can find your, your Bruins articles because uh, – there's nothing better than than people who talk about hockey um, that actually go to the games, that go to the arenas and watch the games. It's one thing to do it from your couch. It's another thing to actually be active in the rinks. And, and the insight you've given, obviously you're getting that from talking to the players and their family. Uh, that is the best kind of, of person to give attention to uh, for your hockey information and social media. So tell the listeners where they can find you. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at blackandgold277. Uh, the podcast is Black and Gold Pod, and we have a, a Boston Bruins-centric uh, podcast uh, that goes uh, around the prospects, and that's Black and Gold Hockey, sorry, Black and Gold Prospects Pod. Uh, you can find our writings at blackandgoldhockey.com. We have a great team of 17 writers and four or five podcasters, so uh, tons of content going out every month, so it's a lot It's a lot of fun, and, and, and it's a great platform to work on, so... Um, yeah, I appreciate the time today, Peter. Yeah, yeah, man. You guys do good stuff. Um, I'm really grateful that you were able to, uh, you know, cut some time out of your schedule and, and fit in a, a DPR show for me. So uh, thanks yeah. very much, man. Yeah, no problem. And, and the show is, is tremendous. I always listen because I, um, I, I, I do have a regular 40, like most people out there that, that grind away in the, in the hockey rinks. But um, shows like this and and 10, 10 others per day really get me through my work day to get me back into the office and do what I really love. And that's uh, research and talk about hockey. So thank you for this tremendous uh, job at Prospects Radio Pod. Yeah, man. Thanks for listening. All right. We'll see you in the rink. Take care. All right. That's a wrap for this episode. Episode 67 in the books, all Boston Bruins prospect conversation. Thanks again to my guest, Mark Allred, from the Black and Gold podcast. Don't forget to check him out. Thanks for listening to the episode. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to hit the like, subscribe, share, five stars, all those things. Uh, tell someone about the show, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode. It's time to go. Yeah.